Hi guys, welcome back to Divorce. I messed up. Welcome to Divorce. Welcome to Divorce. It is called that in the beginning. Anyways, hi guys, welcome back to Divorce. What I wish my parents knew. My name is Grace Casper, and today I am actually seated. I am no longer virtually seated. I am literally seated in an office with my friend Jim. We're calling him Jim today. He's awesome. Um, and he prefers to be anonymous today, which is totally fair. So I will not be sharing any pictures of him or tagging him in my post after this, just so you're aware. But I'm very proud of Jim for wanting to be vulnerable today and share his story of divorce. Um, and so Jim, there's no easy way to talk about divorce. So give us your divorce stats. I was, well, first of all, thank you for having me. Yes. Happy to be here. <laughs> Happy to adopt the name Jim. Yes, you were Jim today. Jim like the office, but anyway, <laughs> um, I believe I was just about to turn fifteen, right on the edge of fourteen, fifteen, when they separated um, during the move out process, and then I think it was finalized a year later. It t- did take a while. It was a relatively messy split. Sure. So yeah, beginning of high school, freshman year, um, and. What else as far as like divorce stats? Uh, are your parents dating now or are they remarried? Both have remarried. I have a whole host of step siblings. Okay. Um, I'm still the youngest. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have any biological siblings before step siblings or were you an only child? I have one full sister. Okay. Um, she's six years older than me. Great. And part of the reason that there's such a big age gap is my parents were actually married twice. Yeah. Lots of twists. (laughs) And I have five step siblings. In total or like? In total. Okay. Three of them are married. Oh, so they're older. Yeah. Yeah, you said you're the youngest still. Sorry. And about how old are you now? Are you uh, low 20s? Yeah, 23. Okay, I didn't know if you wanted to shift. (laughs) Um, But my step siblings are all in their 30s i think the oldest one is almost 40 if not 40 okay yeah and still talk to both parents um i would say my relationship with them is right now probably the best it's been good um that has not always been the case i have on two separate occasions um gone about a year and a half without speaking my father so Three years overall, uh, um, we reconnected a couple of years ago, um, still working through things. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's tricky. So when you found out mom and dad, or maybe just one of them sits you down and says like, hey, we're splitting. How did that go? What did that look like? Did you understand what was going on? Were you expecting it? Were you like, oh yeah, totally. Or did it just come out of left field? We're like, what? Well, I want to preface everything with I want to be as honoring to my family as I can be. Sure. I drag anyone's stuff into the street. Yeah, yeah. I um, want to preface it by saying that I have done a lot of work to forgive, you know, my family members, the people that were involved in this, and approach it lovingly. Mm-hmm. With that said, <laughs> yeah, the lead up to it, um, I was pretty aware of what was going on. I mean, I was 14. 
Yeah. So like, but was there fighting in the house? Like, was it a thing? Okay. So it wasn't like, oh, well, life is great. And then all of a sudden they sit down, they're like, we're getting a divorce. And you're like, what? Yeah, no, it wasn't completely out of left field. Um, I actually recently brought it up to my mother and asked her sort of when she made the decision or how it began. And obviously a lot of factors that contribute to it. And apparently there was a conversation she had with me. I actually don't remember it. I don't know. I tend to remember most things. So I don't know if I have some sort of memory block surrounding mm -hmm. it, but apparently we were at a restaurant and she asked me about my dad and she says I had just had like a breakdown in the middle of the restaurant, which is something that I feel like I would remember, but I don't. And at that point, the decision was made. And I don't ever think there was like a sit down moment where they were like, this is happening. Sure. Um, at least that I remember. But okay. Yeah. Wow. Um, so on this show, we talk a lot about and, and parents wonder, too, especially with divorce with older kids. So like you were 14, 15 when this is going down. They kind of wonder, like, when is it appropriate to share the details about both parents? Because there's the statement of, like, well, we don't want to talk crap about the other parent because that's still your dad or that's still your mom. Um, but at the same time, if it's an issue of, like, danger or, um, I don't know, like, what, what did you prefer going into it? And were you told the details? Were you not told the details? What did that look like? So I can't remember at what point I really learned all the details. I think that a lot of the things that I came to know from them, I kind of already assumed. Okay, so you could like read through the lines on your own. Yeah. On the topic though of when parents think it's appropriate to bring certain things up, and I think a lot of parents really tiptoe around the issue of divorce as if their kid isn't going through it with them and don't really know how to address most of it, but... From my own reflection on it, from talking to other people that have gone through it, there's sort of five main areas that I think that most parents it unintentionally hurt their kid or the majority of the pain for the kid comes from. Look at you building a list. Tell us those five things. Uh, I would say the first one is the initial conversation or the lead up to it. Um, the move out process the inevitable fallout that happens with your child, it will happen to some degree. It looks different, but I mean, it, your relationship will probably change. Um, making your child act as the middleman between both parents. Literally, I wrote about that in my book. Yep, and then the dating and marriage process after all that. Yeah. Carla City. Those are the big five. Um, I like that, the big five. I agree, man. Those are some five things. Those are so tricky, especially as a teenager, because you're aware of everything. When you're young, you're not really sure what's happening. You're kind of like an ignorant bliss a little bit. Yeah, and I think a lot of parents think that their kids are not as acutely aware of things as they are. Kids are typically a lot more intuitive than parents give them credit for. Otherwise, kids wouldn't get away with things, but... <laughs> oh. I was pretty consciously aware of everything that contributed to it. And while being, like I said, loving and forgiving towards my parents, I would say that the ball was dropped at most turns, at 
most of those five things, I would say the ball is dropped to in one way or another. Yeah. With the initial conversation, I mean, if you're fighting in the house that your kids are in, walls are thin. Um, and especially if, you know, colorful language is involved, whatever. There's a lot of things that you can do um, with the intent of being loving towards your kid. You know, just because you're going through a divorce or you are recovering from a divorce wherever you are in the process, like you don't stop being a parent yeah. and your kid still has to come first. And so the initial conversation, all of that, I would say only because I was exposed to the fighting and I heard a lot of conversations I probably shouldn't have heard. Yeah. Um, and then if you want to keep going through the list otherwise. Yeah, man, I like it. No. Because I think parents, their main questions, they want to know the kid's perspective because they're like, what would help them? What would help my kid? Do I do I talk to them? Do I not talk to them? Do I... It's almost like, how much do I let them in my, on my life? Like, do I let them into the dating process? Do I not let them in? Like, all these things. So if you were to kind of dip your toe into each of the five things you just said. So we just talked about the conversation. The second one being the move-out process. Is that what you said? Yep. And for me... Like I said, I was pretty aware, um, and it was a very messy, traumatic divorce. There's a lot of things that happened, and I think my parents didn't really have to sit me down and talk to me about it as much because I was 14, 15. I kind of had an understanding of how the world worked at that point. It did open up my world a lot. But did you want them to talk to you? Did you want them to sit down and be like, how are you feeling with all of this? Like have emotional check-ins with you? Would you rather they just kind of left it alone and were like, well, he's old enough and like, I don't want to bug him or make him sad. I would say at a certain point you should. Uh, my parents did like later on in the five because they kind of happened sequentially. But um, with the move out process, again, you have to keep your kids best interests in mind like how do you think it's best for them to be there when you're doing it do you think that it's something that they shouldn't see um yeah like for example i had a uh, picture in my room like a blow-up picture of it was from the 80s it was from my grandpa and my uncle and all their friends with golf clubs sitting in my dad's convertible because he told them not to touch it when they left so it's a super cool picture it has a lot of my favorite people in it and technically it was my dad's so he came in my room and was like, I'm taking this. And he just took it off the wall and walked out. And I was like, sweet. Like, you can have that, I guess. But oh, yeah. awkward. And I worked as a mover for a while and came to find that if someone's moving, it's either a really good day or a really bad day. So I did move a number of families that were going through divorce. Oh, it's hard, man. Yeah. One in particular... They were actually arguing about what we were going to move while we were there. Oh, gosh. So you're like, I don't know who to listen to. Yeah, like, I'm taking that. No, you're not. And then, like, the kids were sitting there. What? Some of the, like, one of the kids was literally the age that I was when I went through the forest. Was that hard to watch, Jim? <laughs> Only in the sense that, like, I knew what I was doing to the kid, even if they weren't showing it. And couldn't really do anything as my... Uh, role as a mover kind of stuff and explain to parents what is that doing to the kid when you say i know what that's doing to the what is it doing when they see all that why is that bad um well that kind of leads into the fallout with the parent and the change of relationship um why that is bad 
why all of this is inherently traumatic for the kid is to an extent in one way or another you're going to break a kid's heart at least a little bit um you are their first and most important relationship the most developmental relationship um so when you decide to separate um like i said it opens up your kids view of the world they lose a substantial amount of their innocence when that happens because you know that isn't supposed to happen that relationship is supposed to be the rock it's supposed to be their stability and when you have visuals like your parents arguing about who's taking what or fighting in the house whatever it may be i mean those are burned into your mind and those are things i think that you carry with you for a long time and that's why i say like these five are the places that i think parents most traumatize their kids or drop the ball so the fallout with your kid inevitably your relationship change um because they're looking at you differently now they've now lost part of their innocence how they look at the world is going to be altered um and if you went through a divorce that occurred for you know messy reasons which they typically do it's not like people just wake up and decide to get divorced um how your child views you is going to change because you're no longer the person that they thought you were. And I'm not saying that makes you inherently bad. I'm saying oh, that, yeah. like, I can only compare it to my own story, but for example, my parents were trying to parent in the same way. <laughs> and as an angsty 15-year-old dealing with parents that were going through the divorce that they went through, it was like, all right, the because I said so thing isn't going to work anymore. Like, yeah. Um, or don't be disrespectful, this or that. Like, obviously, kids respect your parents and parents you should be respected, but it will change the dynamic substantially. Um, you lose a lot of the, I don't want to say, moral ground but you lose is it almost like their parenting wasn't as effective because they're like or because i said so because you know you should respect me it's like well i've actually lost my respect for you is that what you're kind of hinting at i wouldn't say lost totally because you know every situation is different but you can't leverage it in the same way i think mm -hmm. yeah and your kid will likely act out in one way or another it'll manifest differently depending on the kid like i know people that became extremely buried in schoolwork um because of it or people that went more the route that i did and started getting in trouble um and it is very important to remember through that change in dynamic that you still have to be loving and that you're still a parent and your kid is still a kid and i literally Oftentimes, whatever behavior they're displaying post-divorce, they're displaying it because that's how they're coping. Literally. Yeah, so in my case, you know, turning to sneaking out or maybe hanging out with a crowd that I probably shouldn't have been surrounding myself with, mm -hmm. that was not best handled with, you know, extreme discipline or coming down on or yelling or anything like that. It should be approached with love because if you have a kid who suddenly is displaying like very different behavior like rebellious behavior yeah um there's typically a reason and i think a lot of people shock it up to like oh they're a teenager yeah or they just have big hormone feelings that's the phase that they're in but 
Um, not every teenager does that, and some do. So I think it's worthwhile to consider why it is that certain. Oh yeah, half the guys in my high school that went cray cray, like party wise. I remember talking to them, and whenever they were real drunk, we would talk, and they'd be like bawling about their parents' divorce. And I was like, oh my gosh, you're just numbing right now and running from it, but you think you look cool partying and deep down, like you're running and you're numbing. And it's so sad. These little 15, 16 year old boys running around, you know? Yeah. Um, Let me be clear. I think that obviously kids need their parents and they need the mothers, they need the father. Um, My scenario, one thing I really appreciate about my parents is for one, they never kept me from the other one. I know in a lot of divorces, um, for whatever reason, I think kids be kind of become this leveraging point between the parents. Well, you're not going to see your kid or I'm going to go for full custody of your kid. And more often than not, if that becomes a legal battle, it does favor the mother. And especially in my kid, they never took away the other parent, if that makes sense. But they also did not force me to see the other parent. Mm-hmm. So like I mentioned, I went a good period without speaking to my father. And that was, again, not for every case, but for my case, what was best at that time. Yeah. And it's different for families where it's not safe to see one parent or X, Y, Z. I'm not saying it's for every divorce, but. Yeah, it's different in cases of abuse. Yeah, if you're being honest with yourself, as to the reason behind keeping your kid from the other parent and that reason is anything other than the kid's safety or well-being then i would suggest reanalyzing things because you're hurting your kid for your own well-being and um that kind of leads to the next thing number four which is making your kid act as the middleman and making your kid act as the means of communication between both of you and that is very wrong i think for a lot of reasons um Namely, that you turn your kid into a parent, essentially, in a lot of ways. Parentification. Yes. And then, you know, if you have to be the bearer of bad news to one parent or whatever it may be, like, you are trying to protect the other parent, you're trying to keep the peace. Breath, yeah. Yes. People-pleasing tendencies. Yes. You're probably really good at reading rooms. Are you good at reading people's emotions, Jim, because of what you've had to go through? I would say so. Um, You kind of get an extreme version of it when you have to act as a middleman between parents. But I would say that my parents sort of dropped the ball in that that I was like, well, I don't want to badmouth your mom or I don't want to badmouth your dad. But And then they would sort of, in the context of making themselves sound like not a bad person, they would trash the other person or whatever and... Or say like, hey, can you try to say this around them to make me seem like this? That kind of thing. Oh my gosh, literally. Oh, I hated that. Yes. Or like, tell your dad I'm doing really good. Or tell your mom like, I'm I'm doing really good. It's like, oh my gosh, y'all, like grow up. (laughs) Don't ever put your kid in that position. Again, you are still a parent. They are still a kid. And if something needs to be communicated between you and your ex-spouse, that should still fall to you um, if you are absolutely incapable of being in a room for whatever reason. Um, write him a letter. Write him a letter. There's lawyers. Write him a text. Yeah. Um, write him an email. Literally. 
literally anything but talk to the child. Yeah. Um, at 16, your child should not be acting as your counselor or your advisor. Like that is so inappropriate. But yes. And well, number five, I guess there's no transition really between four and five, but number five, the dating and marriage process. Yeah, do you tell us about that? Did both of them jump into dating pretty quickly? Um, my dad did literally almost immediately, which is, again, one of the worst things you can do. Um, and we can kind of touch on all the implications of that once we get through the list. Was that hard for you to watch? I would say that that is one of the most numb periods of my life. Ooh, say it again. So... I wouldn't say that in the moment it was difficult to watch um, because at that point I was pretty checked out from everything. Yeah, dang. Which was totally just a self-preservation tactic. I mean, it was me protecting myself, I think, at the time. But um, Even you not remembering that memory of you breaking down in the restaurant, that's your brain protecting you and trying to block it out. Like, that's cray-cray. Yeah. You do some EMDR. I'm just actually <laughs> I've done a good amount of VMDR. A uh, big fan of it. Um, Dad jumped into something right away that obviously did not end well. Newsflash. Um, <laughs> and the biggest point to be made from the list that if it's not been clear already, you are still a parent. Your kid still comes first. Mm. And that stems to dating. You now that you are over the divorce or if you're coping with divorce if you think that the famous line you deserve to be happy not saying you don't but that also doesn't mean that your kid is no longer your kid or you can act like a teenager again around your kid you are still setting an example um these are still very formative years do with that what you will but i would say that the ball was dropped in different ways but on both sides at least initially um so i was living with my mom for the last three years of high school okay and my dad like his dating process was different we can get to that but with my mom it was okay like this point i'm 17 junior senior high school i was like all right you know if you're dating cool like i'm good with it this isn't something that's going to be super traumatic for me but if you are over your divorce you can understand your kid might not be and yes. it might be extremely hard for them to see it. That wasn't my experience, um, at least that age. I would say be open with your kid about it, at least within reason. Especially the older ones, because they can handle it. Like, they're dating. High schoolers date, you know? And in that scenario, I was like, all right, I'm living with you. If other people are ever going to be in the house, I want to know about it. Yeah. Um, if you're going on a date, I would appreciate like loose details. So like, I know you're not with a psychopath on the other side of town, but yeah. Um, within reason, I would be open with them. About it. Don't try to hide it because if they find out, which is kind of what how it happened with my mom and I, were like, I found out retroactively that she was keeping a lot of things from me, like. Mm. And that bothered me only because I was like, okay, well, who's responsible for your safety right now? And in case you haven't realized, you're kind of all I've got. So, um, yeah. You're very protective of her. <laughs> you know, dating world when you're middle-aged, I think, can be 
questionable. But yeah, my dad did not set a good example. Um, fathers, if you have sons, remember that you are the example of how they will treat women, of how they will respond. That is a hard truth. Yeah. And obviously the context of a divorce being as messy as it was, he kind of already dropped the ball with that, but continued to do so in the immediate dating life. With that said, credit where credit is due, he ended up going through a period of singleness of growth. And the woman he's married to now, I would say that was a lot more healthy relationship and how it started. Oh, good. But that was years later. Yeah. He needed some time to heal. Yeah. So do what you can with those five main ideas to not traumatize your kids. You know, don't fight in front of them. Uh, make sure the conversation is as gentle or direct as it should be for your child. Yeah. Um, the move out, keep your kid in mind. It's not about you. It's not about fighting. It's not about taking what's yours. I know it's almost like, and parents, we don't mean to say parents are the worst because honestly you're not the worst but i it's interesting when people are going through something really really hard like a divorce where they're not expecting it to happen you revert to your youngest self that hasn't been healed yet so if you are still stuck on something that happened when you were 16 and you haven't gone to counseling you haven't got healing for that your trauma response is a 16 year old so you got parents out here Acting like little 16-year-olds, no, mine. No, that's mine. And it's like, whoa, grow up. You're literally in your 50s. But they're not acting like they're in their 50s because they haven't healed from their childhood stuff, you know? And now that they're going through trauma, they're having trauma response and they're acting like kids. And so if you're going to act like kids, at least just don't have your kids around. (laughs) Yes. And on that, let me get back to this a little bit, but on that one thing i really wanted to touch on was um parents divorce is a really really complex issue and no two are like it's very complicated very multifaceted but if well i guess if you're considering marrying somebody first of all um or if you're in the divorce process or if you're already divorced i would really encourage you to do a lot of self-reflection if you're on the front end um Try to identify things that you have not dealt with, um, whether that be things like generational trauma. Um, It's not talked about a lot. I think it shows up a lot in divorce. I think our parents' generation was kind of set up for failure because it's the Mm. last generation that had a big taboo around mental health. Literally. Um, And as an adult, I've been able to sort of analyze family history and pick up on pretty clear patterns. Generational trauma is very real. And if you have not dealt with it, like you said, at whatever age you are hit by it, um, that is the age that you are often stuck at. Literally. Isn't that so weird? It's really bizarre. So if you're thinking about marrying somebody, I would say do a lot of self-reflection. And if there are unresolved things, um, odds are there's unresolved things in your partner too. And if you are what is known as trauma bonded to somebody, that is not something that you are going to be able to get away with for an extended amount of time, uh, unless you guys are the exception. But if you are going through a divorce or you're already divorced, I think it is of the highest importance to do a lot of reflection 
in those areas because if you do not, you will be completely unaware of what you are passing on to your kids. Mm. Um, again, only as an adult doing a lot of processing and a lot of, well, thinking about it and some good counseling. (laughs) Have I been able to really identify the things that my parents that were just a result of them not dealing with their own stuff? Isn't that wild? Like if it's true, like my grandpa had stuff that he never worked through that passed down to my dad. My dad had stuff that he never worked through that passed down to my brother. Like, and not just, not, it's not just a gender thing. Like it's passed down to me too, but it's weird how it'll just keep going until someone breaks it. It's the same thing with when we talk about like generational poverty, you'll continue to have poverty within your family until someone decides to fight against it, work their ass off, go to college, get a job, really fight to against this wave of generational poverty. And then once that's broken, it's a lot easier for their kid to not be in poverty because they now have paved the way. But it's the same thing with like alcoholism or divorce or, you know, uh, all this other junk numbing techniques and addiction that runs in families where it's like oh crap like I I remember looking at my family tree and I thought to myself wow I literally now like zooming out I see just patterns of addiction and I'm like well no wonder I have an addictive personality it's in my genes yeah and the nature versus nurture uh, concept is super interesting in early childhood development yeah but same thing I mean I was able to trace things back through my great-grandparents. That's not wild. Yeah, I mean, crazy stories that I only found out as an adult where I was like, well, no wonder you people are messed up. (laughs) (laughs) But it kind of takes off the pressure. And I don't know if you feel this way at all, Jen, but like when I found out stuff about my grandparents or great-grandparents, it gave me so much more grace and compassion for my parents. Because I was like, oh, you literally weren't shown any different. Like, you don't know better. You don't know. You've never received, like, unconditional love. Like, with your parents, there was conditions to that love. There was strings attached. Yeah. So far, the forgiveness and healing process. We're at 30 minutes, by the way. Okay. Was analyzing those things and understanding that both of my parents had a lot of stuff that they brought in. I mean, my mom... I won't touch on specifics, but has had a heck of a life, had a really traumatic upbringing and has done super well for herself. Um, and credit where credit is due. And I know that in a lot of ways she did the best that she could. Yeah. Um, never having had those things resolved, never really having known that they could be resolved yeah. and not understanding the scars that things leave. And then My father was a police officer for 28 years and has horrific post-traumatic stress. And again, was part of the last generation that didn't understand mental health, didn't know how to take it seriously, didn't know that, you know, seeking counseling can be a really good thing. It doesn't make you less. Literally. Say it again. Yeah. And as a result, and that was crucial for me to understand, like, okay, this is where addiction comes from. This is where numbing comes from. This is where anger comes from. This was why my dad was always out of his window of tolerance, why things in the house were always, you know, on eggshells. And 
now I'm able to look at my parents completely differently. Um, I wouldn't say that my relationship with either of them is super, super close. I think I've heard in a lot of divorces, kids will get really close to one parent. That isn't my experience. Um, I'm closer to my mom, but only because I literally lived with her for three years, but yeah. I wouldn't say that I'm super close to her versus my dad. Um, both relationships I think will always kind of be a work in progress. At least I hope they are. Yeah. But yeah, if you're a kid dealing with this, understand that your parents are human. Um, that oftentimes the either you're dealing with the realities of things that happened way before you were around. That's good. That's really good. Yep. And my parents, like I said, they were married twice. So they really, really did try. I mean, they had my sister, got divorced, got back together. Four years later, had me. <laughs> the miracle child. <laughs> Maybe this will fix our marriage. <laughs> if you're married and you think a kid is going to fix your problems, don't have kids. Please. <laughs> but. It's true, man. People do be doing that. They're like, oh, I'm, I'm dating this person. We'll get engaged. So that'll fix our problems. We'll oh, well, now we'll get married. That'll fix our Oh, we'll have a kid. That'll fix her. No, no, no. And then don't fix your problem. Go to therapy, please. And be very acutely aware of what you are passing on to your kid. And if you have dealt with things that are outside of the norm or remotely traumatic in your life, understand that your threshold for what is normal has probably shifted. Oh, that's another good thing. Yes. So what you pass on to your kid, you may perceive it as normal. Like if you are born in dysfunction, you will pass on dysfunction. Yeah. And you think that that's normal because you were in it your whole life. That's so true. Your your gauge for normal is off. Like what happened with my parents was I sought out sort of examples from external places as to like what normal was, what normal looked like, whether it was my friends or people I talked to, mentors. And it was then that I was sort of able to recalibrate that normalcy and then realized that my parents just their normal was totally different from their upbringing and if you're a parent and you use the argument well you should have seen what i had it like as a kid as justification for your own actions i'm going to say that there is a high probability that you need to check yourself in that scenario just just because it's better than what you went through doesn't mean it's right mm. yeah oof well, Jim, thank you so much for all that you had to share today. Um, any last words, or do you think you covered it all? want to make sure you got it all out. I mean, the only thing I can really do is give praise to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I mean, he pulled me through, I would say, darker places than I would ever care to share that I was in as a result of childhood traumas. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Get right with the Lord, people. He loves you. That's cool. Well, thank you so much, Jim, for your perspective today. I am grateful for your voice and just the ways that you shift what it means to be a man. And you say that manhood does not mean tough and rough and stuff down feelings, but being a man is owning up to your shit and going to therapy and being kind to women and... Uh, knowing what you're passionate about and, you know, and interacting with the world in a kind way. And so thank you for 
giving parents that perspective today and kids as well if they're listening. Um, but yeah. Take care of yourself so you can take care of other people. Mm, yeah, that's good. It's like that thing, yeah, people always say this, but that airplane example with the oxygen mask, how they're like, you got to put yours on first before you put it on your child. And that's true. You got to fix your own stuff first before you start preaching to others about how they need to fix their stuff. Take out the take out the plank in your own eye before you take out the speck in your neighbor's eye. <laughs> but hey guys, you know what to do. Don't forget to subscribe and follow this podcast. That way you're notified when the next episode is uploaded. Uh, follow me on Instagram at Divorce Tips from Kids. I also have TikTok uh, and I have a website, www.divorcetipsfromkids.com. My book is coming out in June. I will let you guys know when you can pre-order that. But I cannot wait to give you guys a tangible resource that is my book. So thank you for listening. I appreciate your listenership. And I really hope you have a wonderful day. Bye.